Mana 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 this is social disgusting welcome to social disgusting a podcast where my guests and i discuss our lives amidst the wanton hellscape in which we find ourselves i am brandon aka brandon hope you're well my guest is an actor comedian writer and podcaster who's been in so many good things including but not limited to arrested development the heat spy veep search party and big mouth along with being the titular rana on the very funny podcast, Ask Rana and Nigh Upon Two Weeks Ago was announced as part of an ensemble cast of the scripted action comedy podcast, Unwanted. Please welcome Jessica Chaffin. Welcome. Hi. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on. I really appreciate your time. Isn't it fun to talk to someone you don't know? <laughs> yes. Just two, <laughs> two disembodied voices. It's literally the, the only reason I agreed to do this is because uh, I'm tired of only talking to people I know. Well, I hope you feel uh, No, like I'm just time. kidding. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> I'm not kidding about the time. I don't mean, ab- I'm kidding about the agreed part. I'm not kidding about the, I'd agree to about almost anything at this point. But I, <laughs> hey. I mean, it's nice to talk to, it's nice to talk to someone new. And I will gladly take all of that. So please, and thank you. If it's good enough for Sean Clements, it's good, <laughs> it's good enough for me. He's so funny. He's the best. He's so funny. Yeah, I've done their show a couple of times, and it, it is great. Yeah. It's a hysterical show. Yeah, they're, they're something else, those two. <laughs> uh, the, you know, the opening salvo, as it were, the easy-to-ask-difficult-to-answer question, how are you? I'm pretty good. Uh, I'm in Los Angeles, and so we have that added bonus of just not being able to complain about the weather. Yeah. Um, though I'm the kind of person who complains about not having weather, because I, I grew up in Boston, and I love weather. So it's sort of, you know, I I feel very grateful to be able to go outside and take a walk and get a little fresh air, you know, while trying to avoid other people that are wearing masks, but... Um, it would be nice to have a little, mix it up a little bit. I miss the snow. I tried to go um, up to the mountains this weekend to see if I could just see some snow, and, and of course I couldn't, uh, and so I ended up. But the air was very fresh, so that yeah. was nice. Yeah. Well, that's nice. At least. Sometimes, you know, something could be said for, even if it's like, you know, an hour, 90 minutes away where it feels enough in your head like a trip to get away and decompress, even if it's, you know, for an afternoon or whatever. It was exactly that. It was an hour and a half away, and it was far enough away that if I liked it, I could stay, and if I didn't, I could go home and sleep in my bed. Yeah, because you start nice. you start getting in this in this mode, which I know is like some people are very you know oh I spent my mo-, and it was an Airbnb and they um whoever owns it does a beautiful job of you know making sure it's spotless before you come in and disinfected and all that stuff yeah um but i know most people have that guilt of like oh i you know we paid for it we have to do it i don't have that guilt i i <laughs> always live in the space of like why would we stay here if we're uncomfortable but the place ended up being really lovely it was not it was not i mean it was very inexpensive but it was really lovely and it was nice to just get a little fresh air and shift the uh perspective a little bit yeah i can imagine that goes a long way and and something could be said too for not feeling beholden to things like the relief that gives you know as opposed to doing something out of a sense of obligation even if that's not the case and i know that i, I do that plenty i've done that plenty anyway but it's nice to not feel that way yeah, I mean, it doesn't go for everything, you know what sure. I mean? Obviously, <laughs> there there are things in life to which I am obligated, but that's the kind of thing where you're just like, it's such a depressing feeling to go on. This is such a weird uh, 
connection to this, but I was watching that um, Hotel Cecil thing on Netflix. Have you heard about this? I've heard it's pretty bad. It's not good. Okay. And so I won't be continuing with it. And also, as soon as you, I love a little crime. I mean, like everybody else, I love some murder and some crime and some sure. Dateline and some this and that. But when you remember, I hate when things don't have a resolution. And that show was basically, you know, taking you through the crime. You knew they had this footage. I only watched the first episode. You knew they had this elevator footage, which also had been all over the internet years earlier. But yeah. I had kind of forgotten what the crime was. And then as, as I started to remember as I was watching, I was like, oh, yeah, they found her in the water tank. You know, like it was – and you sort of the, – the show is about – is trying to be simultaneously a crime show and also be about the like mystery of this place. And, you know, is it haunted? Is it not? Is it cursed? Like that kind of thing. And it's just, what you realize is it's not going to come to any more resolution than the Wikipedia entry did. And so you're like, like if you don't have anything new to give me, I find that frustrating. But my point was just that all these people would show up to this hotel Cecil and pay, I don't know, $12 $12 a night, you know, yeah. $29 a night, whatever it was. And it was literally the most disgusting place. The most interesting thing about the show was that they had someone who was a, a woman who seemed, you know, relatively put together, who was the manager there for 10 years. And you were like, how? Which, <laughs> like she could, seems like she could get an, any other job. Yeah. And yet she worked at this place for 10 years. But just that thing where I couldn't imagine all these tourists that came that the minute that they got there, they wouldn't be like, no, we got we got to find another place that's $29 a night. We can't, it can't be this place. It was just that you would stay because you paid for it, you know? Oh, yeah. And it's also like, how how bad do you want to see the Hollywood Walk of Fame or whatever? You know, like the, the tourist. Well, that jobs. place is actually downtown. And so it's, oh, it lo- really? it's located essentially on Skid Row, which is, um, you know, one yeah. of the, one of LA's, uh, things to be least proud of just the way that we handle the homeless population and what's going on down there. But it's literally on the edge of Skid Row. And so it's not anywhere near, I think people, if you don't do any research, you're like, Oh, downtown Los Angeles, like that must be Hollywood. And it's like not remotely the same place. And it's, it's just such bad vibes. I can't imagine not being like, Nope, got to turn around and get out of here. Well, that, um, that's interesting too. When you talk about that, that show and that you were watching one episode and you were done that thinking about that, the, talking about the sense of obligation of I've, I've dropped that about like finishing shows that I'm like, nah, I'm good. Cause I used to have that completionist element in my head of, I need to finish, see this through and finish this. And now if I'm like a couple episodes in and it just doesn't get me or even, even farther in at that point, I'm like, nah, there's so much stuff out. I don't feel beholden to finish anything now. What was the show you did that with? most recently and also was there a show that you did that with where you were like i'll give it three and like the first two weren't great and then you kept going with it well yeah okay okay so to answer that i watched every episode but one of cbs all access is the stand that they okay. just came out with mm-hmm. and you watch it and i'm like oh this is interesting the way that they adapted it that's interesting but then it kind of went off the rails enough nearing that end of the middle-ish type, you know, part. Yeah, about three eight, fourths in. Episode eight. Or, or yeah. I don't know how many episodes that series Well, yeah, was, but like so, with like one yeah. or two left. Yeah. Where I'm like, what is happening? And then I got to the second, the penultimate episode. I'm like, yeah, no. I saw a headline saying that the show, that last episode, the finale was not good. 
So I was like, no, I'm I'm good on that. I'm done. Mm-hmm. Which is like fine. And I don't feel any need to go back to finish that last episode. I don't need a resolution. But the problem too with the like three episodes and done admittedly is some shows for better or worse just take that much to really get going. Yes. You know, like Succession for me. Same. Took three episodes and it's unbelievable. It's it's so funny. It's same thing. Three took me about three episodes to get into it. And luckily, weirdly, what happened was I had seen a piece of like episode probably five. I was flipping and I and I was like, ah, I keep meaning to check this out. And I would normally never watch anything in the middle. Yeah. Um, because I'm just, you know, I want to start at the beginning. But I ended up seeing a few minutes of I think episode five of the first season when they go when they're in um Santa Fe. And I was like, Oh, this is really interesting. And then I went back and and the actors are incredible on that show and the, Amazing. the writing's great. But mostly the performances are just like out of control, so good. Like watching watching all these people, you know, play off each other. But I didn't love the pilot. I didn't love the second episode, but I was like, I got to stick with this because I got to get to this thing. And then the what I call the two finales of that show, the last two episodes were like two of the best episodes of TV Amazing. I'd seen in yeah. a long time. Well, I think too that uh, it felt like too watching that show because I was watching it when it was originally airing and seeing that I was thinking, oh, did they, it feels like they figured out this show really gets going when more of them are in a room together than not. Yeah. And when it did, it's just electric. That show is just fantastic. I think it definitely takes some time to find to figure out what the chemistry of the show is. Sure. Um, because, you know, it's funny, especially a show like that, you're playing family members, and it's like none of these people know each other. I mean, or, you know, or, or some of them do, but they don't all know each other. Yeah. And they don't all know each other intimately. And so to get to a place where you can have that kind of um, – that you can be that relaxed and also that on edge as you would be in a normal family, basically. Uh, it's pretty special, the chemistry of that show. But you're not going to get that the first episode. You might start to feel it towards the end of the, the pilot or something. But, you know, how long are they really shooting for? A week or something like that? You know, it's sort yeah. of, it, it was going to take some time to take off. Well, yeah, like this more kind of disjointed energy like that to get that rhythm, I guess. But what's funny, though, is that you say you say that it takes time to get going. And there are some shows, though, rare though it may be, that got going immediately and were just like lived in and amazing. And you were on that show. You were on actually several of those, but Search Party. Oh, I love that show so much. It's unbelievable. Uh, that's a great description of that show, actually. I was so... Um, I watched the show uh, because I was... Charles was coming on a podcast I used to do called Ron and Beverly, Charles Rogers. Yeah. And he was a Ron and Beverly fan. And so he was wanting to come on. And so I was like, well, I better watch a couple episodes of this or an episode of this before he comes on just so I know what I'm talking about, basically. And I was just hooked from the first minute of that show. And it's such, it's such a biting satire but it's so smart and so funny. And for all of its craziness and its hijinks, the emotional reality of it is really real too. And the actors are so good on that show. They have such great chemistry. I was I, like, felt so lucky to get to be on that show and also to play a, a character who wears, you know, pajamas with dogs doing yoga on them or whatever. <laughs> but yeah. they're so good at sketching characters and I was so excited to get to do anything on that show. I love it so much. 
Yeah, I, I can't imagine what it is to, well, I mean, just to, to be on that set and just the kind of the, and I've said this before about other shows, but like there's just this, this alchemy about that show that is just unbelievable. But to also go from watching it to them being on it must have been very surreal. You mean like to to love the world and then step into the world? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's fun when that happens. It ha- Veep is a show I love. And, and, I, and I was on Veep um, for a few episodes, just had a minor part, but... The only thing, the only problem is you, um, you're sort of chomping at the bit or champing at the bit, however they say. I think it's chomping at the bit. That's one of those expressions so. that I'm always like, oh, I gotta look that up. That's the expression though. Is like I heard it somebody say champing one time, and now I'm like, I don't know what to think. Yeah, well, I think it's actually champing, but people say okay. chomping. But I'm sure we'll we'll hear from uh, <laughs> from the internet about that, or we could Google it. But the um, <laughs> but where you're just like, you just want to jump in even further. Yeah. Um, and most of my scenes were with Jonah on Veep, and I'm like, oh, God, all I want to do is, like, argue with him. Um, just because it would be so fun, you know. He's such a fun actor and such a brilliant comedian. And uh, so, yeah, it was it was awesome to just, you know. I've been, I've been lucky. I've worked with a lot of people that you would want to just, like, play with for a couple of days. Yeah, for sure. Like, it's – when I was looking through just the totality of your, your IMDb uh, filmography <laughs> – it's really, I mean, genuinely, there are so many things that are fantastic on there. Oh, well, that's nice to hear. So there is one thing, too, that I'm deeply curious about mm-hmm. that I think is chronologically your first credit, and that is the art department on Goodwill Hunting. Oh, of course you want to talk about that. <laughs> I just want to know what that, is there a story there? Or is just, just I was a some... PA okay. in the art department. And um, and actually, that was a really special um you know, I was still figuring out what I wanted to do. Uh, and I knew I wanted to be in the entertainment business, but I just didn't, I think I, the truth is I always knew I wanted to be a comedian, but I was terrified. And, um, so that was my way of kind of like skirting around doing things. Um, and that was my very first job. Well, I had one PA job before that, um, which was a nightmare. And then that job, which was great, but it was a lot of the same people and that movie you could feel was special that, uh, you know, that there was, there were good auspices around that movie. Um, and I honestly think I learned more about filmmaking from working in the art department for two movies, I think it was, than probably in my whole life as an actor. Cause I worked for the, um, production designer and the, and the production design, there's really like three or four creative people on a movie at the end of the day. And that's the director, the production designer, the writer, the actors, of course, but the actors are more outside of that circle in terms of like when the movie's being put together. Yeah. But in terms of the people that create the world, it's like the, those are the people that create the world and a producer, if you have a really involved, great creative producer, but it's really the director, the writer and the production designer and people sort of, and then the actors kind of step into that world and, and bring it to life and, you know in a good situation collaborate well with each other and the directors and blah 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 but um the so the production designer is like literally bringing the whole thing to life like what curtains are going to be on this wall and where do we shoot and you know yeah and they're not solely responsible for those decisions but they paint the world 
And the other piece of that is like, how much do you spend on this? And how many days are you on this set? And can we get this done in a half an hour and uh, half a day? And can we use this for this other thing? And so it's That's a really- a hell of a crash course. It's a really interesting, well, I wasn't the production designer. I was no, I mean, the, but, I was but to be just to, to experience that, you know? <laughs> I was getting lunch and making photocopies. <laughs> but the- um, but they were so precise, both of the production designers that I worked for. They had both worked for Gus Van Sant. And they, you really just learned so much about like, oh, that's interesting. Like, this is important. This isn't. And they were real artists. But at the same time, had to make really, you know, important uh, budgetary decisions too. So it was cool. It was very cool. But I love production design and cost. I'm a, I really love movies. So it's like... It's just fun to, you know, when you see it, when you can really see the work on screen, it's it's pretty cool. Do you, this may be an unfair question. Do you have a movie that you consider your favorite movie? No, I don't really believe in favorite movies. Fair. Yeah, but um, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to think. There are, <laughs> there are certain movies that I will watch no matter what if they're on. <laughs> and, and my old joke is that it's like, you know, Devil Wears Prada, Schindler's List, and The Gladiator. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but those I don't, you know, in Jaws. Um, but, yeah. But I don't know if those are actually my favorite. I don't know. I don't know. I watched The Last Emperor, just thinking about production design. I watched The Last Emperor during quarantine and I hadn't seen it in so I hadn't seen it in the longest time. I need to rewatch that. Yeah. Um and it is just like blow your eyeballs out of your head. Stunning. Um I love Peter Weir as a director. Oh, I did too. Like Master and Commander is one of my favorite movies. That is absolutely one of that I'll watch anytime it's on. And I think it's one Same. of the most romantic movies ever made. Which I agree. It's think it I'm is crazy, but no, I completely agree. Like it is so well made and li- and again I say this again lived in, but and also like I want seven sequels of that, please. I know. I I you could feel towards the end of it. I was like, oh my God, they'll never do this again. No. Um, it must have been so expensive and so difficult. And it's such a beautiful movie. Um, and Russell Crowe's amazing in it. But uh, Russell Crowe, I'm a big Russell Crowe fan anyway. I'm too- I mean, you know, it, you know, not every performance he's given, but he's been given some pretty incredible performances. I love him in The Insider too. Oh, The Insider, he's so good. Yeah, that Gladiator great. at I love that movie. It's one of my favorite Michael Mann movies. Yeah. And I love Michael Mann movies. Uh, and, you know, it. I think the first movie I saw him in, Russell Crowe, was Virtuosity, I think. But I don't think I've the seen one, that. It's, Is it Denzel Washington? I can't. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's wild. It's wild to think just that part. But the, the movie that made me re- really go like, oh, shit, was LA Confidential. Oh, I love that movie. It's so good. Yeah. yeah. Kim Basinger in that movie. And Guy Pierce I love too. Yeah, you know, yeah. I thought I thought he'd be maybe maybe he's just not, you know, maybe he's more of like a an interesting supporting actor who's like character actor type, but they you know, when I saw him I was like, Oh, I think he's gonna be a star. Oh, he's a real force, Guy Pierce. And he plays Yeah, they play a great like two halves of a coin in that movie. I, I love that movie. The ending's a little goofy, but I yeah. lo- but I love that movie, yeah. It's still one of my favorite names in a movie ever, Rolo Tomasi. Rolo Tomasi, sure. Yeah, such, such a deeply <laughs> delightful, memorable name. <laughs> well, yeah, and then like weirdly it feels so connected to the usual suspects, even though like it isn't, but the, you know, like just the Kevin Spacey, like 
Kaiser Sose, Rolo Tomasi. Yeah. So, somehow that feels like it's part of the same universe or something. No, I never thought about it that way. That makes complete sense. One thing I was curious about too, this isn't the most interesting question admittedly, but I am curious. I know that in the past you have been known to make blueberry muffins for oh. the trainer. Mm-hmm. Did you... <laughs> Did you go through a cooking phase? You must be a real Rana fan. Is that, are you a- I'm a fan, you, yeah. Or yeah, you must be an Ask Rana listener or a Rana fan if you if you know about my deep dive on blueberry muffins. <laughs> but so is the question about the muffins or is, or what is the question about? It's both that, but also, but like, did you go through the inevitable like baking phase that so many people did during all this? Uh, I love to cook and I love to bake anyway, but I, you know, I don't love to bake in the way that- I always describe myself as more of like a thematic chef. Like I sort of like either get an idea or if I'm having people over, which is, you know, never, but if I, in in the before times, yeah. uh, I would get an idea like, ooh, maybe we should have this thing. Um, or maybe we should have a signature cocktail that's this. Like I just get the idea of like, ooh, what would be fun? And then I'll just learn to make that thing. So that's kind of the way that my... Um, my, uh, you know, repertoire grows. That's one way. And the other way is that I feel very connected to kind of nostalgic cooking and I'm Jewish and I, uh, just like to make that food that my mother used to make or that is associated with a holiday or, you know, a memory or that kind of thing, like trying to revive that stuff. Like I definitely am a person who shows love through food or entertaining and things like that. Um, but the muffins are, uh, the Jordan Marsh blueberry muffins. So when I grew up in Boston, there was a department store called Jordan Marsh. And so I always make them in the summer, but probably I made a few extra batches uh, this, I mean, <laughs> I can tell you the scale tells me I made a few extra batches. And what I really got into was making challah at the beginning of quarantine. And that was both a pleasure and a grave mistake because what you end up doing is, um, challah bread's really delicious, but it's mostly delicious pretty much right away. Like as soon as you break into it, I don't know. Oh, it doesn't hold well. Have okay. you ever had a challah bread? I've not. So challah is this braided bread that is served on most like, Jewish holiday occasions, but def- but is really associated with every Friday night for Shabbat. Yeah, it's beautiful. The look of it is very intricate and beautiful. Yeah, and it's not really that hard to make once you learn how to make it. You just kind of like, it just becomes a thing you know how to do. It's like braiding your hair, basically. Okay. Um, but, and it's made with a quick yeast, an instant yeast. So it's not like a sourdough that takes five days or, you know, it's more just about like, doing it or timing out your day kind of, you know, like, oh, I'll put it in now and then I'll go do this and I'll come back while it rises, you know, that kind of like sort of old fashioned, uh, farmy type schedule. Um, but it, so it's, most people will think of it as like an egg roll or a brioche or like all those things are kind of the same thing, all those breads. Yeah. Um, but this, and they're all borrowed from each other. You know, challah is probably originally more like a German bread or a, Eastern European bread that was called something else. And then, you know, everybody's making everybody else's something somehow. But uh, yeah, you eat it and then you you basically eat it on Friday night and you eat it fresh. 
and it's soft and delicious and amazing, but then you just keep eating it. So you basically <laughs> eat like a loaf. And so about halfway through quarantine, I was like, oh, okay, I'm basically eating. Like, where is this weight coming from? And it's like, uh, you've been eating a loaf of bread and then going to sleep every Friday night in, in addition to whatever else you do. So uh, definitely that was part of my quarantine fixation, I would say. And then I had to let that go at some point, so. Carb loading for a marathon you never signed up for. That's exactly right. <laughs> but the um, but the Jordan Marsh muffins were at this department store and they would be where you just, in this place called Downtown Crossing, which was like a place where the subway um, trains, a couple of different lines came together. Okay. So a lot of people would shop there, you know, back in the day. And um, that's sort of the crossing, I think was the railroad crossing. It may have, it may have even gone back further than um, trains because it's, so it's very high traffic. It's yeah. very near Boston Common. So it may have even been, but it was almost like a depot, that area, like a outdoor promenade with shops and stuff. Okay. And Jordan Marsh was the anchor department store there. And so you'd walk through the door and the, and they only made these muffins. Like they had this bakery. I don't know if they even sold anything else in this bakery, but you came through the door and they were the just gigantic blueberry muffins with like so many blueberries. And then, um, like a sugar top and they were just fresh like all day until they weren't, you know, until they'd run out of them. And so a lot of people who grew up in the Boston area have a real um, desire to mimic that experience. I can't remember or or even mentioned it even, but is it that you like obtained the recipe or you've, you've perfected it and approximated it? No, it's, it's out there. It's on, I think it was in Yankee magazine. That's one, which is like, if that's even in existence, some old fashioned New England magazine. And then there was a, there's a channel in Boston called WCVB, which was channel five. And they did a thing where they went and found the guy who used to be the baker that made them all the time. And they like did a video with him. This was, (laughs) it was probably like 10 or 15 years ago that they did the report. But when I Googled it, it came up. And so the recipe was there with his kind of like, little tips and you know you could see him making the muffins in like a commercial because this oh sorry because the store closed um, okay eventually yeah went out of business so that must have made your day to feel like oh i can not only make it and have the recipe but he also gives you every little little intricate detail on how to do that yeah his big secret is that he um puts a little he he mashes part of the blueberries and he puts a little flour on them okay. so that on the one hand, it gives you like a purple swirl inside the muffin, if you like that. Um, and the other thing it does is it keeps the, it basically like suspends the blueberries so they don't bleed into the muffin. Oh, that's really smart. Yeah. And sometimes I'll use frozen blueberries too, which do the same thing basically. Um, you know, if I have really, get really great blueberries, but I'm not going to use them all up, I'll freeze them. So is that like your special occasion treat? Your your birthday for people treat? No. No. No, it's just like, uh, you know, you get a feeling it's berry season, that kind of thing. Usually I make them around the 4th of July just because it's summer and it's sort of like nice to have a little treat before that, you know, that morning kind of thing before like the rest of the day. I'll sometimes make them when I'm making other things, you know, just to have fresh muffins in the morning kind of thing. But I mean, I certainly don't want to leave the impression that um cooking fresh muffins every day because <laughs> yeah. I'm not. I mean, I'm eating cereal most days, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. It was just announced, like you know, like I said, a couple of weeks ago, 
that that scripted action comedy podcast, Unwanted, is that what Oh, it? yeah. Yes. It's out right now, and I think it's top of the charts or something. Okay, I have to listen to it. Did you record that during all of this? Yes. Um, so Lamorne Morris, who's the best from um, from New Girl, um, who I met on New Girl, we had a, a little few episode arc together, and then... Um, which was so great. We did this movie Desperados last year that came out on Netflix. Um, so we got to spend a little time together in Mexico, who is not only like the absolute loveliest, nicest, most kind guy, but obviously very, very funny and someone who's just funny all the time. You know, like, I don't mean like he's crack, he's putting on a show. I just mean he's a very naturally funny uh, guy. So he's a pleasure to, you know, ever have dinner with if you ever get the chance and super creative and a great writer and you know creates so much of his own content and always has you know has always been that kind of guy he um and his uh writing partner Kyle came up with this together and they did it for Q code and they were nice enough to ask me to do a little part in it so it just came out this week and I'm pretty sure it is at the top of the charts awesome yeah, there's a lot more of that happening, these kind of scripted podcasts, but I haven't seen anyone really do a comedy one yet. I mean, I'm sure they're out there, but I just haven't noticed it yet. Yeah, no, I've I've definitely heard, you know, I've, I've listened to some and it's been kind of some one-off topics, but also, I mean, they're all very like impressively produced and I'm sure this is the same thing. I'm really interested to listen to it, but yeah, I don't think I've heard a comedy one though. Um, yeah, I'm sure it'll be great because um, there's just a lot of good, very professional people involved. And so I I know that the quality will be top notch, though I have not listened yet. I'm too busy listening to, you know, I'm not a monster. And now I'm onto this new one called Chameleon, which is about a big Hollywood con. Oh, I love stuff like that. Okay, I need to listen to that. Yeah, Chameleon. I just, it's pretty, it's pretty good. I'm about four episodes in. And we'll see where it goes from here. But I'm not a monster is terrific. I'm not a monster. Yeah, that's about a woman who um, basically moved, took her kids and moved to Syria to join ISIS with her husband, a woman from Indiana who was raised a Jehovah's Witness. And it's all about trying to figure out whether she ended up there or whether it was intentional or, you know. And he, the guy who uh, reports it, his name is Josh Baker. He's a BBC reporter just did such a great job on it. And um, yeah, it's been a while, I feel like, since I've listened to any, um, like, just really good reporting. You know, I think everything, that's one worry, one thing that bugs me a little bit about podcasts is that, or just about journalism a little bit right now, is that things can just feel so skewed instead of, um, you know, kind of the old-fashioned sort of frontline model of, like, we're just exploring this topic and trying to get the facts sort of thing yeah um as opposed yeah. to coming in with a point of view and this is that and actually there is a companion show on frontline called return from isis i think but the podcast is a i've, I've seen them both and the podcast is to me a much richer experience okay i gotta listen to that i've got that down now because i've you know, when I, I listen to a fair amount of like comedy podcasts and things, but I've also been listening to a lot of trying to do more audiobooks if I'm going to be listening to things so I can uh-huh. feel like I'm consuming something, you know, because I just don't have I don't have the attention span right now or pro- honestly throughout all of this to really sit down and actually read a book. I just haven't had that. Yeah. Well, it's a distracting time. Yeah. 
I yeah. mean, it it is. It's just like most people have are have such a like high resting rate of anxiety that you know. I think it's hard sometimes to sort of calm yourself down and uh, and focus. But that audio is also there's also a sort of ASMR quality to it, so that people can you know, it's both relaxing. The act of listening to it is relaxing and the content is sometimes relaxing. So it's sort of a, a double whammy. We've had we've had a lot of my show that I do um, now called Ask Rana with Rana and Brian is that I co-host with Brian Safi, who um, also does attitudes and uh, yeah. been, you know, is a real a podcast star, as they say, <laughs> um, and a TV star. He's on 911 and a bunch of other stuff and is the greatest. But people have really just been responding to our show, which has been so wonderful because I think, you know, people need advice on problems big and, you know, it can be either super petty or it can be super like, it can feel small. We had someone write yeah. in the other day who's literally like a frontline physician and her, the preamble to her letter was, oh, you know, this is like a privileged problem, but I'm trying to, you know, she she's a, she's a frontline physician in New York during COVID and a mom of two small children's and children's, listen to me, children. <laughs> and she had her first, her second baby a year ago. And she literally was like, sounded like she was at the breaking point. And it was just funny that she, she was apologizing for asking if it would be okay if she took a break from her life for like a day. It was like, uh, I think, yeah, it sounds yeah. like, it sounds like you've contributed to society. I think this does not feel like a, uh, crazy problem of privilege. This feels like a breaking point, but yeah, it's been really cool, um, to, to get, to feel like you're connecting with people, um, you know podcasting is so great that way it's such a intimate medium yeah i know exactly what you mean like i'm yeah, i'm very lucky to, to be able to you i mean it sounds like <laughs> that this has kept kept you going and feeling connected during all this no it's it's been invaluable you know obviously in a way that i i couldn't have expected just in my mind of whatever how long this show would be in general which in my mind was like oh it's gonna be like you know two months or something and then cut to and it's six plus times that you know, it's it's just unfathomable. But to be able to talk to people and that realization, you know, of like, oh, yeah, you're not alone in this. We're all experiencing this for better or worse. And we're all doing the best we can. I mean, I de hopefully, you know. Yeah, some of, well, some of us are doing the best we can. And some of us are <laughs> just doing yeah. what we want to do. Uh, and that that is the uh, American way, I guess. Um but yeah, I mean, I think for the most part, but there is not a person who the anxiety is not is not touching in some way, no matter where you fall on the QAnon scale. Uh, it's yeah. people are still touched by, you know, the fear of losing their jobs or losing their loved ones or, you know, whatever, how, how whatever way this is, you know, reached you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, outside of you know, like rich sociopath notwithstanding. It's like it's impossible to equalize right now. Uh, and it has been for such a long time. And poor sociopaths notwithstanding. <laughs> Fair. I mean, Fair. you know, sociopaths. But yes, I, I just like, there's a lot of irresponsibility happening at all ends of the spectrum. But at the same time, it's been kind of a beautiful time too that people have sort of found ways to connect or have, you know, there's a lot of reprioritizing going on, I think, about 
where how you spend your time and who you spend it with and and you know how finite the whole and fragile the whole endeavor is meaning life yeah absolutely you know and i think that i think to your point also like people are having to reckon kind of reckon uh, with things that they had put off for a long time you yes. know and you can't ignore that stuff right now not in all this no, or you could just eat hala like I did. You could just keep <laughs> just keep shoving it <laughs> shoving it down until it shows up on your ass, which is what I, <laughs> what I did for the first four months of this. But you can unofficially <laughs> train for an LA marathon. <laughs> yes, very unofficially. <laughs> Don't do the marathon part. That's my uh, that's my advice to you. Yes, train for a Back to the Future marathon, maybe, <laughs> but maybe not a. A running marathon, and I am so sorry for making that joke. You have the power to edit it. This is your show. I know. I got. see, but I have a conscience, so I'm just going to keep it in. Okay. But thank you for doing this. Thank you for your time. Uh, what all do you want to point people toward? Um, I would love it if people would listen to our podcast. It's uh, It comes out every Tuesday on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the free podcast. Um, we have a Patreon, which we do on Fridays, which is a bonus episode. Um, and we also, and a bunch of other stuff we do there. We do like a book club and, um, some watch parties and stuff like that, where we watch things and then talk about them. Um, and that's been an amazing community too. That's patreon.com slash askrana, but it's at askrana on all socials. People should listen to Unwanted, the podcast, as you mentioned. Yes. Um, and yeah, I mean, if I don't know, I don't, if people want to follow me, they can at Jess Chaffin on Instagram, but I don't post there too much. I'm more of, I'm more uh, posting in the Rana world than in the Jessica world. So fair enough. Follow both either way. And I'll post all this stuff with the episode. And thank you again for doing this. Thank this you. Great. This was great. Thanks for chatting with me. Absolutely. And thank you again, everybody. Please take care. Please wear a mask or seven or whatever you got to do. Be safe. Lead with empathy. Thank you again. Bye.